Hey everybody, it's been a while, but Digging Deeper is back, and this is episode 11. Let's go. been a while since I recorded a podcast. I'm happy to be back. It's been almost a year since the last one. And uh, I took a break, as some of you may know. Uh, my father lost his brave battle with adrenal cancer this past December. I uh, really want to thank everybody for their support to us, uh, myself and my family, uh, during this time. I initially started this podcast because I wanted to record an oral history of my father's life almost two and a half years ago when he was first diagnosed with adrenal cancer. As uh, I knew that there'd be a time that my father was no longer here and I wanted to have some memory or keepsake of my father's voice uh, so that I could listen to him talk anytime I would miss him as well as to have uh, a history of his life so that I could play for my daughter Jamie who uh, is too young to really remember her amazing grandfather. So it's uh, been a very therapeutic uh, experience recording that podcast with my dad. In fact, one of the best things I've done with him. So I want to dedicate today's episode to my father. Today's episode is focused on food and the restaurant business. As uh, some of you may know, uh, my father is uh, very passionate about food in addition to other things such as golf. I'm very fortunate to have Subraz Abdullah, who is the executive chef at Piva Modern Italian Restaurant in New Westminster, to come on the podcast today to talk about food, how he got started as a chef, some of his greatest influences, the foodie culture, and how the COVID-19 situation has affected the restaurant business. Piva Modern Italian Restaurant's been open for about two and a half years now. And when I first discovered it through a friend, I ended up going to that restaurant 12 times over the span of two and a half months. Needless to say, I'm a fan. Subi, as he's known, and I have been trying to plan this podcast for several months now. And uh, we finally got our schedules aligned and was able to record this. And I was really looking forward to this conversation, and it did not disappoint. It was a, a wonderful, uh, in-depth conversation about a lot of the questions that I had related to cooking and the restaurant business. And uh, Subi was really candid, uh, and I really, really enjoyed this podcast. And I think uh, you listening will enjoy it too. So. Uh, without further ado, this is my conversation with Subraz Abdullah. All right, so I finally have the pleasure of having uh, Sub Subraz Abdullah uh, from Piva Modern Italian Restaurant uh, here to uh, be uh, interviewed on uh, Digging Deeper. Uh, thank you so much, uh, Subi, for taking the time out of your day to uh, have a conversation with me today. Uh, no problem, Ben. Thank you for having me. We've been trying to do this for a while, so I know. I'm, I'm glad. Been, <laughs> so, yeah, I really appreciate your time. I know you're super busy, not just uh, managing your restaurant and uh, a father of uh, a young, cute little three-year-old kid. So I, I'm sure uh, time is very limited for you. But uh, 
how are you guys doing um, with this whole COVID-19 situation right now? Uh, we're good. Uh, I'm being extra precautionary. My wife has a kidney disease, right? So right. It's, uh, we have to be extra careful. So I'm taking all the precautions needed. I mean, I'm the only one that leaves the house really to go shopping. Yeah, it's scary times and, you know, nobody knows how long this is going to last for. And it's obviously affected every individual and especially people in the kind of restaurant industry. And I want to talk to you about uh, the whole COVID-19 situation in the restaurant uh, later on. But I kind of want to get a little bit into your background as to um, how did you become a chef and, and where did your influences come from? And, and uh, when did you know that you were going to pursue um cooking as a career can you take us back a bit yeah for sure um well my dad always cooked so i always had a father figure they both cooked my mom and dad but my dad always cooked so i was always around uh both my parents cooking so i think i got it from there and then you know just in high school just cooking was just easy and then i it's just funny because i always tell this story when i graduated my mom and dad were like if you work you have to pay rent but if you go to school, no rent. So <laughs> the first thing that popped into my head was, hey, I'm going to go to school because I didn't want to pay rent at 17 years old, you know? Yeah. So, and I got my cooking career. It started at Boston Pizza. I started working when I was 14 years old. It started out as work experience and then they liked me. And I just basically worked every weekend since I was 14, every summer, spring break. So yeah, I worked at Boston. That's where the start was, Boston Pizza. And I got it through my cousin. I worked there for about three years. That's amazing. And, you know, usually we, we pursue things that we're obviously more natural at. So were you pretty natural at cooking even at a young age? I mean, you started working at Boston Pizza at age 14. I mean, I didn't make scrambled eggs till I was like age 18. So uh, you probably um, were, were cooking even like in your elementary school days. Like. Yeah, here and there, like I didn't, we weren't allowed in the kitchen. That was my mom's rule. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just like, you know, uh, but uh, yeah, definitely it, 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 it came easy to me. It wasn't hard. I think I was always joking around. I remember even when I was 14, 15 working in the kitchen, like you have to joke, you know, like you have to, you have to be in and out of your element all the time. But yeah, it, it was, it's very easy. You could say that for sure. And sometimes when you're cooking for fun, it's a lot different than cooking like as a job. So when you were 14 and uh, working and cooking at Boston Pizza, did that, that reinforce uh, your desire to become a chef or it kind of took you back a little bit? It was like, oh, you know what? Maybe the cooking for fun is different than cooking for a job. Um, I mean, obviously at first the money was, obviously as a 14-year-old making money was nice, you know? Yeah. And my dad had made a goal of, hey, this is going to buy your car. So it added a little bit more motivation, but yeah, definitely as I got older and once I graduated, I'm like, okay, I don't know what else I could see myself doing, you know, cause you know, going through elect- electronics or mechanics through high school, I just, just didn't care for it and wasn't very good at it. Not that right. I didn't want to try. I just never understood it, but cooking, I understood very well. So, so yeah, I just, the passion just developed really quickly, I would say in me. So. And after high school, you uh, pursued culinary uh, school right away. Ah, uh, yeah, it was rent or, rent or school. So I actually, my counselor, when I went to high school, recommended Dubrul Culinary Arts. So I did that for four months. But just I wasn't much of a school guy. So after four months, I just didn't want to go back and finish the two-year program, to be honest. Right. 
And so uh, the basic basic program there. And and how was culinary school? I mean, sometimes we see on TV, um, you know, when you watch, uh, you know, Top Chef or whatnot, it kind of makes this idea that going through culinary school could be quite grueling, where you have uh, really strict measures by the teachers. So was that something that you experienced as well initially when you went through culinary school? I yeah, it was pretty strict. I mean, I think I did the accelerator program, so it was definitely. But at the same time, I had a car already, so I was working, paying rent. So I feel if I just focused more on school, I would have stayed two years. But now looking back at it, you know, you can't really go back in time. But it, it, I did the accelerator program, so it was very compressed. So it was a lot to take in right away. But right. in in my opinion, school and working in the industry is two different worlds, in my opinion. Like, it's very different. Right. Like, cook, and, cooking school and working. And so... um when you went through the culinary school, you said you kind of uh, left the program earlier than the completion. Yeah, because it's like a two, usually they're two year program. Yeah, like I picked Dubrol. I had two friends, and you know one of them, Steve. He yeah. went to VCC, and I opted to go the other route. But he did his two year program, and I I always wish that I went to VCC because two of my friends, Steve and my other friend Johnny, they both went there, and they said it was amazing and a lot cheaper. <laughs> So yeah, I, I, was, I, I, I wish I went that path. But obviously you've done well for yourself uh, despite pursuing your path. Did you, you, you said you wish you kind of went through that path. Was there things that you wish you learned um, during that time? Yeah, definitely butchery. I mean, BCC has an amazing program on they actually run a restaurant. So when you're in school, you get to serve, you get to cook. So I learned that all on my own, having my own business first. Right. You know, I've had a catering business. And I had a little cafe and then now Piva. But yeah. Uh, but yeah, I just wish I learned a little bit more to have more ammunition, I could say, or artillery in my in my bag. Yeah. So and I mean, But no regrets, my, right? So. And in my opinion, I mean obviously there's some technical aspects with cooking, but a lot of creativity as well. So do you think um do you think you were able to become more creative maybe because you didn't have to pursue or complete this uh more rigid schooling uh, program? Yeah, I would say, and also working under a chef that did a quattro on fourth for 10 years also helped too, right? We were like a amazing team there. So I think that helped me too. I mean, that leads into probably another question, but yeah, yeah. That, that, I think having a mentor chef of Bradford Ellis uh, really molded me into who I am today. So. Yeah, I was actually going to ask you that, and you were just leaning into it. So, you know, besides your parents being early mentors for you, uh, it seems like uh, the Quattro on Fourth experience was a, a good uh, learning experience for you uh, in your early career. Oh, yes. very. I would have to wholeheartedly agree with that. Chef Bradford Ellis, as I mentioned, he was a chef there. So I've learned a lot from him. A lot of decisions was made, like asking him questions and stuff. So, Do you still uh, keep in contact with the yeah, I do. Uh, he actually works for Gordon Food Service now. He's uh, he's their protein specialist. So yeah, I, we do once in a while, but we see each other maybe four or five times a year. I mean, okay. not as not as close. We all have lives, busy lives and stuff. But we're, we're we still we when we see each other, it's like we never left the kitchen. Put it that way. Like yeah, and I'm a huge proponent of mentorship. Obviously, uh, you know, I had a lot of mentors growing up, um, and I, I think most people who want to strive for something have. Uh, a mentor uh, throughout their life that really leads them into the right direction. And 
you know, and you can have mentors at any age and, you know, you know, you're pretty established in your career now. Do you, do you feel like you could kind of step into the role or have stepped into the role of being a mentor to some of the younger chefs uh, that you encounter? Oh, yes, a hundred percent. And, you know, going back, you saying mentor, I do have another mentor, which you, who you know as well, Arif Malji, who made all this happen, right? So okay. I'm yeah. so lucky and blessed to have him. And yes, I do consider myself mentoring others. But like you said, I do go back to my mentor and ask him how I can approach certain decisions and he helps, you know what I mean? So yeah. having him there has been really, really helpful. So Yeah, and I was always taught by my father to uh, never forget your roots or, or where you came from. And uh, those are important things that I always oh, yeah. keep in mind. I, I agree with that. So, you know, so you know, I, I kind of want to talk about you know traits of, of a good chef. Um, you know, for me, I my taste buds are not that refined. Um, you'll ask my wife; I'm not the pickiest eater. I often say most food is good, but you know, for someone who is very uh, well educated in the culinary arts, such as yourself, like what are things that you you identify that makes a good chef? I think a good chef is someone who will, who is always learning. Like you, you can never stop learning in this world. Like mm-hmm. the, when I came from Quattro and the way I learned there and to what I am teaching now, it's two different worlds. It's almost a 180. So I think you have to be able to adapt with today's culture and today's uh, work ethic and things like that. But you have to be definitely be passionate for sure to be a good mm-hmm. chef. Um, we get a lot of cooks that just do it for the sake of doing it as a job, you know, and a lot of people do that and there's nothing wrong with that, but it, it, I, I, I find, I find managing that can be difficult, you know, cause they have moments and then they don't, but definitely a good chef, always learning, have to be passionate, uh, always be willing to teach as well as learn from your younger cooks, I think makes a good chef. And actually, those traits that you identify could be generalized to any profession. And I totally agree with uh, those traits that you identified as those traits make uh, anyone successful. You know, even if you think uh, of someone like, you know, uh, Kobe Bryant or LeBron James, I mean, they're obviously talented and gifted. But I think what makes them great is that they're passionate, always wanting to learn and working hard and always evolving, you know, so um, those are identifiable traits for any profession for sure yeah 100 percent. do you do you think chefs are naturally talented or or do you think some of them have a mixture of talent plus work ethic or you can even be a good chef without talent about working hard um that's a that's a good question um you know obviously you have you ever seen that show uh chef's table on netflix yeah i've watched that yeah yeah, so those like you know they stay in there like chefs are crazy in a sense. Do you know what I mean? Like the ones yeah. that their minds go everywhere. So I mean, some people may say like a couple of my cooks might say, "Hey, you are crazy," you know. But I think uh, that's, a, that's a really hard question. Like, yeah, yeah, I I think maybe there's no uh, one right answer to be honest. I guess mm-hmm. it depends on the individual. Um, yeah and it, it comes back to passion like if yes. what can i if i can say what i what, if i can say and what i say to my young cooks if you're in this to in the industry to make money that like you shouldn't think of it that way like yes right. every young chef's goal is to inspiring to open their own restaurant you know and this was my dream come true and i waited a long time 
for this to happen. And, and I could say I even got lucky, right. you know? Right. So number one rule is you have to be passionate about cooking. You, you can't yeah. just do it and be like, I'm going to go home. Like I've worked 12 hours, 16 hours a day for, since I can remember since even quattro days I worked, you know, so 18 years old and I'm 36 now. So I've been working a lot and you have to put in the time. That's what, that's, that's, if you want to learn cooking, you have to come in the kitchen. You know, if you schedule for a three o'clock shift, you should, be, you should be okay with it. Hey, I'm going to come in and, you know, just hang around and see what's going on and experiment. I find it difficult these days to motivate certain cooks, not all of them. I'm right. lucky enough to have now finally after opening to have cooks like that, but for sure, passion is number one. Like you have to be passionate. There's no, and, not, not, no other way. And with the restaurant business, I mean, I, I'm not involved, but I often can see how much hard work and dedication is required to run a restaurant. And I remember reading this article actually in Toronto Life where this one guy has said he was very uh, passionate about food and cooking. He decided to put all of his life savings into opening up a small restaurant. It ended up uh, telling a story of how he um, didn't really put in the uh, effort and time needed and thought it would be easy and, and eventually obviously lost all of his savings uh, from, oh, from wow. the restaurant business. So, I mean, I, I really admire like you and, and other chefs that are, are working so hard, um, you know, running a, a successful restaurant. And I know, I, I don't know all the details, but I, I know it can't be easy. And if you're not passionate about it, I think it's very easy to just uh, give up uh, after a short time. Yeah, I, I agree with that. It's, uh, you know, the hours and everything, and you have to you have to be there when you open until end. You have to motivate. Uh, con- consistency is hard too, right? Making yeah. sure that what I see as a recipe is followed through by other young, inspiring cooks is really hard. And definitely, I would say... There is two elements to shopping. There's passion, and then there's also book smart passion. So meaning, I would say I'm not book smart as in cooking knowledge-wise, meaning like I don't know the cooking Bible for everything, but there's certain cooks out there who will know everything, the ratios, the techniques, and how to do it. And I would say I'm not one of those. But I've worked with young chefs and young cooks that have all the book knowledge. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to a Friday night, dinner rush that's what we call it that's when we're busy you know like uh 250 we're serving 250 people and we have to serve them in a timely uh clean uh healthy efficient manner because say you're sitting at the restaurant on a friday night at seven and your appetizer takes 20 minutes you know you're not going to be happy if you didn't get your drink you know think everything has to work it's a it's a machine that everyone has to work together so i would say some chefs that are book smart are not able to the dinner rush right right you know so i think the main thing is the passion comes are you able to push yourself i call it a little bit of turbo you know you can you can cook for 50 people at a steady space but can you cook for 150 people on turbo mode and i always tell my cooks that like you can do you can do something at one pace but when it gets going you need to be able to find that gear to go and that gear to go is when that's when i thrive and that's what i teach my young cooks to thrive and I think I'm doing a pretty good job with people of that. Uh, so yeah, it's just giving yourself that turbo. Like, I, think. I always think actually working in the restaurant industry is great training for any career you may want to pursue, whether you continue with restaurant or something else. Because from what I see, being in a restaurant business, you have to definitely thrive under pressure because 
I think there are pressure moments like you described that, you know, you have to be able to deal with and also dealing with people and all sorts of different people and how to communicate and connect with them is also another trait that you learn in the restaurant business. Um, oh, so yeah. that's something I, I wish I actually experienced when I was younger. And I, I told Lee too, that I'd want to put Jamie uh, and have her work in a restaurant at some point in her life, just to learn some of those uh, life skills uh, that you can only get in a restaurant, I think. Well, of course. And it doesn't have to be in the kitchen. You know, the restaurant isn't always about the kitchen. You know, the, the right. general manager who runs the brains of the front is just as important. And the server, the, the, the bartender, the barback, the host is seating you is just as important of how they seat he or she seats. And same with the uh, bussers, you know, he or she has to do it in a efficient manner, clear you, set you so you can get your dinner and be out yeah. in time. Right. So it's a, you know, we have about 60 employees that we have to coordinate at Piva. So it's a big job, whether executive chef or GM or whether it's the dishwasher. Uh, to be honest, the most important part job in a restaurant to me is a dishwasher. Like okay. To be working in dish. It is the hardest job there is, like, hands down, in my Interesting. opinion. Like, Interesting. Interesting. It's the hardest. Just, like, just because they have the- to keep the dishes clean so that, you know, you can keep cleaning the food or... Uh, kind of, yeah, and then uh, no step. one wants to wash dishes, right? Think about it. Like even at home, like do you are you pass? Is anyone passionate about washing dishes? No. So yeah. I, I I tell everyone at Piva when I hire them, you know, that you're gonna have to put dishes in when you walk by and help the guy, you know, or her. Yeah. I've had uh, female dishwashers. I have had guy dishwashers, and I have one right now who's my MVP. His name's Neil. He's been there for a long time, and yeah. you know he does IT stuff on the side, but he is a machine. He is our MVP, so I'm constantly reminding all the staff that you need to help this gentleman because he works so hard. Because they never get to rest. At least when you're cooking, you get to rest a little bit. Yeah. But it, you're con- you have the the brains in the dish is so crazy because you have to make sure the pans are supplied at the same time as well as plates. You know, it's oh, like man. just because you have a 120 seat restaurant doesn't mean we have double the amount of plates. You're right. You're right. Well, actually, that's a really good point. Even at home, you know, if I on occasion cook, uh, Lee doesn't want me to cook because she says otherwise I'll have to do the dishes. So um, it's funny you say that. Create a mess. Because Christine said the same thing about me. You know, I've uh, been home in this uh, since we've been March seventeenth, and she's like, "I love when you cook, and I eat it, but I hate your mess." (laughs) So (laughs) even as a chef at home, I I make a mess like. you know, it's like, because it's, it's, it's different cooking at home than cooking at the restaurant. It's two different things completely. I got to tell you, so my dad's first job when he moved to uh, Canada was to be a dishwasher at a uh, Chinese restaurant in Chinatown in Vancouver. Yep. Okay. And he lasted a month. And he said he couldn't do it anymore because it was the hardest thing he ever did. And my dad's, you know, a pretty tough, hardworking guy. But he said, he just what you said earlier, he's like, those dishwashers work really hard. You know, and yeah. they're irreplaceable from what you they are. described. I've had so, dishwashers walk out on me on Friday night. I look over and the guy's gone because he couldn't do it, you know? Oh, man. So props to all, yeah. the, dish, all the dishwashers out there in the restaurants. Oh, I, hands down the hardest job in the restaurant industry. Yeah. No, Someone being able to do that five days a week. Think about it, you know, eight, nine hour shifts and you got to clean. Like, yeah, not it's easy. actually tough because they don't get all the recognition i guess you know when a no but I, I, i'm well. telling you right now they should be and i i make a i make a 
I make a big part of it to let everyone know. I remind them weekly. And even at lunch, we don't have dishwashers. I'm in the dish. I wash dishes. Doesn't doesn't make you, just because I'm an executive chef, doesn't make you less of a person to wash dishes. I feel if you're washing dishes and I'm teaching that to my young cooks, that yeah. makes you even more valuable to wherever you go yeah. as a rest, in the restaurant industry. So I want to go back to um, chefs and, you know, in the last, I guess I would say, maybe 15 years, seems to have been this explosion of foodie culture. Um, uh, and because, oh yeah. <laughs> of, because of the foodie culture, uh, there's well, a lot of these chefs have become celebrities. You know, And the first time I realized that was when I was in Las Vegas uh, a few years back and you know, on the taxi from the airport to the hotel, I'd see these huge billboards of these chefs that normally would be reserved for like, you know, the DJs or, or celebrities or fights, you know, and that's what I, I realized, holy geez, you know, with restaurants now and, and food, you know, celebrities are chefs, sorry, chefs are celebrities now. So I'm just wondering, like, how, in your opinion, do you think social media has shaped the, the whole food and restaurant industry? Do you think it's a, a positive thing or do you, from a chef standpoint, think it's a negative thing? Uh, a, a little bit of both. I would okay. say, um, because there's some foodies that are not foodies. They just, they just yes. post pictures and they have a lot of followers, but to like, I would prefer a foodie to come in, not ask for the, the thing nowadays is like, Hey, I'm a foodie. Give me a free meal and I'll post about you. Oh yeah. yeah, like, yeah. I know what you mean. I, we get a lot of that. Actually, we get a lot of emails and things and we yeah. graciously, we graciously just decline it because I rather you as a foodie come in pay for a meal, call me out later and be like, Hey, you know, I didn't like this, 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 because that's a true, true judgment of if you're judging my food properly, you know, that's right. That's and right. Like I'd rather you give me your honest opinion and I want you to tell me, Hey, did it lack seasoning or if I overcooked it? Cause we're human, we're going to make mistakes, especially in high pressure, you know, and I make mistakes all the time. I overcook steaks, but I let my GM know to go talk to the guests and I remake it. And right. 99%, 99.9% .9 of the time, the guest appreciates that, you know, and I, I drive Actually, that home at Eva. So that's a good point. Cause I, I think a lot of people on Instagram take pictures of their food and they're considered foodies, but they're probably just good photographers. They're just yeah. good at taking pictures of food, but are they actually, you know, dissecting what the ingredients are, how the texture is and actually critiquing the food, but they have like thousands or tens of thousands of followers just because they yeah. post really nice picture of food. Of course. Maybe they're just more photographers than actual foodies. No, I know. Well, they are. Uh, it's funny you say that. My uh, a close friend of mine started this company. You can look it up called Collapster. And we're actually working together. They basically bring influences to your restaurant. So what yeah. they eliminate is the fake followers and things like that. I see. So he's created this business where if you say if you have some people have a million followers, but half of them could be bought, right? That's the that's our world now, right? Like, right. hey, that guy has a million followers. Let's, let me call him in. But I didn't even know how much the back end of this is till my friend open collapsed and explained how it works. And it's, it's truly amazing. I was, I'm not a big computer person, but just to learn that I've been like amazed by it. And I'm like, Holy, there's like this other, there's this other world behind Instagram that no one even knows about, you know, right. Or like Facebook or whatever. So it was cool to learn that right before we, you know, shut down temp like for short term, but but yeah, just working with him, we worked with him for four weeks and it was pretty cool to see what like the influences he was bringing could do for a business. And not just 
it wasn't just for restaurants. It could kind of be for anything, but he started with restaurants because everyone eats out, right? So that's right. That's right. And I, I feel like social media has definitely made celebrities of these influencers. And um, did, did you ever get annoyed uh, when you're in the restaurant, in the kitchen, and looking out and just seeing people take pictures of their food nonstop? Like, is that a pet peeve of yours? Because like, sometimes it's a pet peeve of mine just being in the restaurant. Oh. Although I've been guilty of taking picture of food myself. Yeah. I, I wouldn't like... say I wouldn't say I get annoyed or the pet peeve. I look at someone taking a picture and be like, your food's going to get cold. Please eat it soon. <laughs> yeah. So I, I look at it in that way. Like I, I know other cooks and chefs who are like, oh my God. But like, I don't like, you know, you're paying yeah. for it to do it, but I'll, I'll always get my server because people's open so I can see every table. So if yeah. I've seen someone, you know, not touch the meal for five minutes, I'll kind of hint at the server and be like hey maybe you should let them know that the food's gonna get cold and most of the time if they're taking pictures for a long time they say hey no we're good don't worry about us so my worry is your food's gonna get cold to be honest <laughs> like a like a true so, chef like a yeah, true so, chef so because yeah. Yeah, a lot of dishes are probably uh temperature dependent and you guys yes. are serving it at the uh, right temperature and probably should be consumed not immediately but within a few minutes and I mean, I swear, yeah, sometimes I see some of these people just taking pictures for like 10 minutes before they're even taking a first bite. You know? Yeah. Oh, I've seen it. I've seen like tripods while they're eating. Yeah. Yeah. So, so you I, know, on YouTube and stuff. So, how, like, I think a lot of, you know, people who are not in the industry, they say, oh, I want to get famous. And, you know, I think we're in a culture now where most people want to be famous more than rich. And um, how, you know, do you know, do you meet some chefs out there that, just want to get out there. Maybe they're really talented, but they just want to get out there and become a famous celebrity chef somehow. And and if so, how are these chefs becoming celebrities? Is it really they're that much more talented than everyone else? Or is it really a mixture of a talent, luck, exposure, uh, etc.? Um, I myself haven't come across any like celebrity chefs. Um, closest to... I would say is, uh, I don't know, but I, you have to have the personality, A, yeah. and you have to be able to cook. So, you know, Top Chef is a great show right. to follow because they actually have talent. You can't just be on there without, they, they rip you apart, right? You see it. Even when they have crazy talent, you still get ripped apart. Um, it's hard because I don't like limelight, even though I'm asked to be in it, I don't yeah. like it. Right. I'm always very shy and nervous. Even when I get asked to go to a table and I don't know them, I get really, really nervous still. Right. Even though they can see me and I'm cooking and I don't get nervous of that, I'm just, I just get nervous of just going to a table because I don't know what to expect. I've been ripped apart by people at the table, you know, and, and it was supposed to be, hey, how's it, how are you doing, an introduction, and I've been ripped apart. And that it, it, it sucks when you get ripped apart, you know, so... Yeah, so when you, you don't expect it, especially. How do you handle that? You know, as uh, the uh, I, have a, I have one story when Pivo was in like the first two weeks of opening, and you know, I think opening Pivo was one of the most hardest things I've ever done. Uh, yes. It's just I opened it in four days, and that's unheard of. You know, oh, wow. making, yeah, no one knows that, but it's like opening the restaurant, training cooks in four days, and it was one of the most difficult things I've ever done. And at the time, it didn't seem like it because I just took on all the pressure. And I had like, I really had like four people who knew what was going on in my mind of my vision. 
but the 25 other cooks had no idea, you know? That's um, incredible. Actually, so I want to talk about Piva, a modern Italian restaurant, since you led into it. Is, uh, you know, obviously, that's, that's your baby. That's, your, that's yeah, the, the restaurant in New Westminster that I've frequented uh, many, many, many times and, and raved to a lot of my friends about. Um, and, you know, you just mentioned that you opened uh, the restaurant in four days, and it's not a small restaurant. It's a, a big restaurant, big enterprise. So that's pretty incredible that you were able to do that in, in just four days. But let's let's go back a little bit, uh, Subi. Let's, yeah. let's say, you know, how long has uh, Piva a Restaurant been uh, open? How did it get started? Uh, where did it all originate from? So 2017, we opened on my birthday, November 25th. <laughs> so it's a good birthday it's present. A, a good birthday you. present, you know. So I yeah. two and a half years now, almost three. Would yeah. have been three this year, right? Yeah, yeah. Would be three this year. Uh, it just seems weird now, you know, talking about it because I haven't. I I go there once a week just to turn everything up, but I haven't been there like how I used to be in the capacity since this COVID nineteen. But yeah. going back, uh, so it just so. I had this little cafe inside Bamberton, Vancouver. My friend owned it and I had a Mez cafe inside. Um, and I used to cater. I used it as a commissary kitchen and served, you know, it was it's on Mitchell Island. So I served lunch and I just, that was my living. And while I was hoping for an investor and hoping to open a restaurant, my dream was always to open a restaurant that was already existent and shut down. Right. So not that much invested, you know, okay. stop some paint, fix this and that, buy some food and let the food do the talking. So um, I, I used to always cater, I guess, or cook for Arif. So we always kept in touch. It's funny, the story, because Arif got me hired at Quattro on Force back in 2002. Okay. And he's come into my life to give me my dream. Oh, 17, oh. you know what I mean? Oh, so sir, that oh. story in itself is pretty amazing. Like He got me the job there. Yeah. His best friend was working at Boston Pizza and was the manager. And he called and was like, hey, do you have any young cooks? We're looking for a dishwasher and prep guy. And that's how I was hired at Quattro really? for the dishwasher. Amazing. Amazing. So, I, I believe it meant to be. So that sounds like it's one of those stories that came full circle to uh, hopefully yo, your 100%. Yeah. And, you know, Arif, he came to the cafe and he's like, is this where you want to be? I'm like, no, I want to open a place. So me and him actually wanted to open in Port Moody. You know, it's oh, a great okay. culture out there. You know, yeah, we he, he lives in Coquitlam. So, yeah. You know, we we looked at a few places, but parking was an issue or it wasn't set up properly. So we missed yeah. out. And one day, I guess his boss called him and was like, I want to open a restaurant. So he calls me out of nowhere and he's like, hey, we're going to open a restaurant. Are you interested? And I'm like, sure. So, nice. you know, and it was like any other meeting because I've had meetings where with investors and it kind of fizzled out after a month. I've had many of those, you know, it didn't feel right. So I literally met them at... uh the waves, the headquarters in New West, right up the street from Piva. Uh, we met in the meeting room and shook my hand. He was like, didn't ask you to try my food or anything. And uh, his name's Kurt. Uh, he's like, I know the space. We literally walked over. It was all taped up. He had a key. We opened it. He's like, this is the space. Oh, wow. And yeah, it's like a really short meeting. And it was like, I'll have paperwork drawn up and make sure you read it. Take a month, take however long you want. Uh, let your mom read it, whoever. Uh, but I'm telling you, he's like, he's very straightforward. He's like, I'm not going to screw you. You're, you're, <laughs> you're the chef and this. And before we left, I was like, do you not want to try how I cook? Yeah. And 
and he his answer was like why he's like Arif's vouching for you and if he's running my business then I trust him and that was that I was just gonna Simple. say like obviously Arif knew your cooking and believed in you so he vouched for you and didn't need, he didn't need to taste your cooking I know but it was it was just a weird concept you know like other other yeah. business partners that I tried to get with they like cook or they would critique it and this one I was like just like shocked and then I came home to my fiance Christina I was like didn't even want to try my cooking she's like yeah. what. So it's just like a, it was a weird, but I I understand now how well, but, his mindset is working. But also, you know, also it falls to the whole, you know, belief of meant to be. Where you know sometimes when you want things really badly, and you kind of go through things the correct way, and it never happens. And then sometimes, you know, it just all of a sudden snowballs and it just happens so easily that you yeah, know, exactly. it, it just it was just meant to be. Like you know, so. I, I don't think there's any other way to explain it than it was just meant to happen for you in that in that yeah. time and and with Arif and those partners. Yeah, a hundred percent. And I had a baby three months before we opened, so they all <laughs> called me crazy. You know, well, not me, my fiance did, but they still called me crazy. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> but uh, how's it been uh, with with Piva? I mean, obviously, uh, when I go, I always have a great time with my friends, my wife, my kids, and. I've been to a few a few of your wine uh, dinners as well. So how's it been running uh, the show, being executive chef, living your dream, basically? Uh, it's, it's It's been good for the most part, but I've definitely had my downs with staffing. Uh, I think yeah. in our in the restaurant world, staffing has been a huge issue, you know, especially in BC, but I would say around the world. Yeah, so definitely staffing was really tough. Staffing I, for I didn't have a kitchen, kitchen or or just kitchen, yeah, not the yeah. not kitchen the help. service staff. I think the kitchen help was really hard because, you know, I didn't have a kitchen to, you know, people always say like, an interview in a restaurant is a stage, meaning as in you you come meet the chef and then they ask you to do a stage. I mean, you come and do a two hour shift, so basically right. you get like a little mini black box, but it's not a black box where you don't know what you're doing. You decide in the face to face interview, hey, can you come in? I just want to see what skills you have uh, with your knife and, you know, make following a basic recipe and cooking a steak or a chicken, for example, or any protein, you know, because right. um, that's your resume. You know, you can have a lot on paper, but until you can cook it, right, it doesn't transpire to go onto the plate to serve a customer. So when you say it's hard so, to hire staff, is it hiring good staff or just uh, getting staff in general because people are not um, pursuing chef as a career as, as often? Uh, I think uh, there is lack of experience and then there's experience. So I feel the industry is overpaying because they have to compensate for, I need someone. Right. Instead of, Hey, does that person have experience and I'm going to pay him for that experience. So that's been the struggle. But right now I'm, 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 I'm happy to say I'm sitting happy and lucky. You know what I mean? I can say lucky yeah. because, you know, they're sticking around. I've had, I've been through everything since opening. You know, I had two sous chefs. One walked out on me. I had a sous chef that, you know, it's tough when you, as a, as a cook and a chef, you cannot lie on your resume. Yeah. Because, you know, some other jobs you can fib and kind of like, you know, get through it and Google it. But when it comes to cooking, your hands are what yeah. is your resume. So if you lie in your resume and you can't do it, you can tell right away. So, yeah. you know, I, I had a sous chef that lied about experience and, he couldn't cook, so but I didn't have any other options. So it was a constant struggle. Uh, he's no longer with me. Uh, I had one 
few hidden, few gems that are really good friends of mine. They no longer work with us, but you know, we still keep in good contact. They, uh, they left to do different ventures, but awesome guys. Like I wouldn't have been able to open it without one of my friends, David. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I have a sous chef, Aichi. He is amazing. We think alike. Uh, we cook alike. Um, uh, he, so I'm grateful he came. It's been a year. He came in August. So I basically had no sous chef for a whole year. Oh man. So it was, it was really tough. Like I didn't, it didn't, if that makes sense. Yeah. Hey, actually, so, so you know, for an, uh, a novice guy like me about from behind the kitchen, can you tell the audience, including myself, what's the difference between the head chef and a sous chef? So sous chef is always just means your right hand. So when I'm not there, he's running stuff. And eventually when I start just doing managing and the cooking's all going, he'd be the chef. So he's, he's putting my vision together, but I'm not a book chef, so I don't, just run expo or whatever i'm actually online helping everyone i help each patient so right. i'm an extra body to go around and help say the garde manger station which is the salad station or the pizza station so i i'm still very much invested in my kitchen and i will be for a long time because yeah. i don't feel like i can just be a paper chef i'll be cooking for a long time because i love it so right. so that's the difference sous chef just means under and they basically right. just they they see your vision through and they're just, they're just as important. And the one thing I think Arif and Kurt have, and Brent and they've taught me for management is, you know, I had every chef has an ego. So I was always like, you know, I have my recipes and I don't want them to be better because that's how I was trained. Like right. you always had to be the best and you want to be better than the next guy. But right. opening Piva has taught me, especially from my management group that, they say to me, if you train someone to make your dish better than you, you succeeded. Yeah, yeah that's true. That's true. Yeah. That's when so, you know you've kind of taught someone well. You made or, it. Or mentored someone exactly. really well, right? Yeah. Have you I mean, ever like taken a chance? Sorry. Sorry to interrupt. No, go ahead. Have you, have you ever taken a chance on someone and hired somebody who didn't have the right resume, but just had the right attitude? And you just saw that this person was really hardworking and passionate and, and willing to learn. Have you ever uh, come across anybody so far? Yeah, I have a few at Piva actually. So yeah. um, I, 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 I've changed my hiring uh, uh, aspect because I still hire experience, but with experience came a little bit of attitude or, you know, not even showing up to work. I have had so many people not show up to interviews. I've had cooks come and work three days and then middle of the shift they're like you're too busy i can't work and they left wow you know these are like wow. yeah I, I i and i just i don't know what to say that i'm just shell-shocked right? and like you accepted the job i explained i lay it out you know we're busy like get ready right, right. right. you know and it, and it, it it's not in a busy where hey you don't have help it's just we're busy like if the restaurant yeah. isn't busy and that printer we call it doesn't ring with food orders no yeah. one's getting paid but there's a lot of cooks now that rather get paid and not cook because oh, it's, yeah. it's, 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 it's happening. You know, I, and I don't think it's only in our, our industry. I'm learning that it's in every industry, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. So I, I, I do have gems that I've People uh, don't, nowadays people don't want to put in the uh, work, but they want all the nope. reward. <laughs> exactly. I so, agree with that. I'm sure you don't give them uh, any references, uh, those type of uh, staff that just leave on you. No, it's tough now. No one even calls for a reference anymore in the restaurant industry because it's so really? dire. Yeah, oh, wow. you, you just you need cooks. You hire them, and you got to take a gamble. Unfortunately, 
I see. Know? Just luck of the draw. I don't have you... to do that. Yeah. I don't have to do that anymore. I, right. I did for two years, I would say. Hard. Right. But, uh, but yeah, I've, I've even had experienced cooks quit and over text or don't even show up to work after a year of being with me, you know? Right, right. So, so you don't like, know someone's mindset. It seems like it goes back to what we were talking about earlier where uh, you have to have a lot of these like more soft skills in order to succeed in, in the restaurant industry. Like, you know, the hard skills are probably what's in the resume and in the hands. But the soft skills is really being the team player, thriving under pressure, communicating with your staff, all those type of things, eh? Oh yeah. I've 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 learned a lot from opening Piva. I mean, you know, I'll 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 say it from Quattro of the training days that I got. I was Bradford was a military chef trained, right? So right. in those kinds of kitchens, as in I would say like Michelin star restaurants and even in Europe, London, you know, those r- restaurants out there and even some out here. It's yeah. chef may I speak, and if he doesn't say anything, you don't speak. That's how I was trained. There was no music, head oh, down. Wow. You're chopping, you're cooking, and I got trained that way, and, and I'm grateful for it. But you can't train that way anymore because when I opened Piva, I did it that way because that's all I knew for my entire career. This is right. the only way, right? You know, and I, and I had a few of my staff that had to complain about me to my partners, and they had to sit me down and be like, "You have to adapt." and it, I the first six months I was I fell on my face you know I I learned the hard way I cried I you know it was it was it, it was tough because I thought the only way was yelling. Do you think uh, Subi our culture is just getting too soft? <laughs> yeah, to be honest, you know? I don't want to say it, but yeah, it is. <laughs> yeah. How's it going right now with uh, the COVID nineteen situation? We all know it's you know it's affected everybody, but it's also especially hit the restaurant industry pretty hard um although i know a lot of restaurants including yours are doing takeout a business right now so how are you guys adapting uh, to this uh so initially you know it's funny because on march 14th it was sunday we had a meeting i believe it's sunday but anyways we had a meeting and you know five hours should we shut down or should we wait for the government to tell us to shut down because it was coming regardless right yeah so literally on the monday when trudeau said shut down we shut down that was it we had a big staff meeting planned uh it, it was very emotional yeah you know never in a never in any years i would have thought we'd be going through something like this i don't think anyone ever did you Nobody. know yeah. so we had to lay off 60 of our staff it was very emotional you know um yeah. it's a restaurant you build family there too you know because they say a lot of times you spend more time there with your natural family right so yeah. and it's true yeah. So it was a difficult decision to make, but one that had to be made because of our the safety for our patrons and our staff who are our family. So we we made the right decision. Everyone agreed. Um, yeah. But prior to, we were actually already two weeks prior sanitizing every half an hour. Uh, okay. Everyone shut down cooking and like wash your hands for 20 seconds. I had already implemented all that uh, okay. two weeks prior to shutting down. So I was reading into it very well very closely too. So we shut down. Uh, I kind of sat dor- dormant for a week. You know, my partners were like, you know what, don't worry about it. This thing will blow over in a month. Cause that's right. the thing that's initially that's what everyone thought two week quarantine and that's it. Right. 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 But when two weeks came around, I'm like, we got to do something like no one's talking about people and people are doing takeout, but yeah. So we build a, a small menu. Uh, the hard part has been, we only do takeout once a week. Okay. Uh, so Thursdays, but you get to order all week. 
you know, and your cutoff time is Wednesday, 2 p.m. and you order on. The meals are kind of meant to be like meal prep. So they're not hot when you pick it up. So I I priced it in a way that 80% of our population is on EI right now. So they can't. Some can't right. afford to eat out. Some can't, you know. Yeah. Uh, so I priced it in a way that you can't, you are able to. So we're, we're doing three quarter order pastas for $15 and keeping the quality there and doing set menus to, you know, give the food option and give you the option to buy more than three, four meals. So, right. Uh, so uh, that, that's a week, good point. You know, I, I didn't think about that because, you know, a lot of restaurants are doing takeout, including some of the, the restaurants downtown. And you know, I was talking to my wife about it and she's like, well, what percentage of people can actually afford takeout right now? You know, uh, most people, a lot of people are unemployed, lost their jobs, and it's being tough to even just to pay rent and mortgages. So um, is that part of the decision of why you guys decided to just have one day a week of takeout rather than, you know, having takeout available every day? Um, The reason I didn't do takeout every day is obviously I have friends in the industry and, you know, my, my one friend owns a sushi place and he's like, sometimes I'm there eight hours and I only make three orders. You know, oh, and he, yeah. and he's so for Piva it was really hard because we didn't do takeout because we strongly believed in we our food our pizza and our pasta will not taste the same right. once it leaves the doors in a covered takeout. You know, and right. some people don't care, but we stood by our stood by our product and said we wouldn't do takeout. And now that we have to adapt, I was like, man, yeah. it's a hard sell to do. You know, to open seven days a week to do hot food. And how many orders are we going to sell? I think that's the scariest part. Even though I'm controlling yeah. orders for Thursdays, yeah, it's still scary of like how many I'm going to make. I mean, we're getting two or three orders per day, you know? So we're going to be doing about 20 people this week. And okay. they're all from the West and they've been regulars and things like that. Okay. And I, I honestly think I'm going to learn as I go on this because the reason I chose to do one day is so you know, say you and your wife wanted to order four meals, I'm giving you the ability to not eat it hot right away, but you can right. take it for lunch or heat it at, at night later because so many people are cooking at home. So why not have the option to be able to take lunch? You know, you go to McDonald's now and you order a Big Mac with fries supersized, you're looking at $14. Yeah. And it, yeah. it doesn't necessarily mean it's healthy, but we all eat it, you know? Yeah. And we I get hungry that. two hours later. So... Yeah. $15 for a pasta, people complain, but yet they'll go to a drive-thru and spend 30 bucks, you know? So it's, it's, True. it's hard. It's, it's a hard sell for people, I think. And we're going to do our absolute best and, uh, you know, with our team and see where we land at. But and, that was my like reasoning you, was one week. And like you said, it's a it's constantly fluid situation with COVID-19, you know, for all industries, including us in the medical field is it's always constantly changing. We're learning on the fly. And it seems like, you know, that's what um, it's going to happen with you uh, with the takeout, it's, it's just going to be constantly changing because nobody knows how long this is going to last for. I mean, some say July, some say end of the summer, some say next year. Uh, it's really oh, unknown. Yeah. It's really unknown. So, you know, do you have a plan or a vision of, you know, say this goes on until September or October, uh, what kind of plans you, you have with the partners uh, to put in place? Yeah, so I used to do meal prep before we opened Piva. So, you know, like companies that do that already are successful because people are buying meals, kits, meal kits in the sense that all the prep is done for you. You follow a recipe and you cook it at home. A lot of people are doing that now, right? So like, a, yeah. so we're going to implement that. I'm going to do pizza at home as well. So the yeah. Piva pizza dough to take home with all the okay. sauces. 
Okay. And you're gonna uh, you're gonna be able to cook it in your own oven. Uh, and I'm I'm gonna do a live cooking show once a week, hopefully. Oh, sweet. Via our live feed out okay. of my own kitchen in my house. So not people oh. because that's a totally different concept doing it there. You know, so that's awesome. I want to be real and do it from home. So hopefully that will launch in three weeks. So basically I'll build like a pasta kit and yeah. like a salad kit and a dessert kit, make recipes. You'll buy it from me or you can go buy it from yourself. I'm not going to force you to not tune in because you didn't buy it from me. You know, uh, okay. you might have these ingredients home. So, and then tune in say Friday at five o'clock and cook with me and my son and my wife. So it'd be a family show. So like you could cook, you know, if you have a young young yeah that that's cook, awesome you know is that is so, that on instagram or facebook or how do we find that um we haven't figured it out but it might do both we don't know yet i think facebook might be more of a better platform because you know okay or yeah. instagram i just i haven't decided which one which well, one to do it uh, on yet when that happens so, uh let us know because we'll definitely tune in uh so, I mean, I'll, I'll get lee to do the cooking because uh, when i cook, <laughs> she just gets mad because i create so, a mess so uh but everything will be prepped for you if you buy it from me. that's, that's true. the golden thing here Right? That's true. So, that's true. That's true. Like your shallot will be diced up for you, you know. That's true. Like that's true. So that's actually it's really, basically really... a recipe in a box, and you just take it home. That's awesome. Actually, I really like that idea. That sounds yeah. Amazing. So some companies are doing it out there. You know, HelloFresh is a huge company, right? They do it yeah. already. So yeah. So yeah. Uh, but yeah, takeout. Um, you know, and I think next week because we're getting demands of people wanting hot food. Yeah. So I think next not this Thursday coming up, but the one after, once we figure out how we're going to, because what we're get, we got to practice social distancing of cooking also, right? We yeah. like only myself and my sous chef Aichi are going to be in the kitchen and Chris, our GM is going to be the one in the front end. But uh, we're lucky that Piva is a long kitchen. So we're able to social distance. Yeah. You know, um, we're going to be wearing full gloves, full mask, uh, keeping our two meters. So, the first week will definitely be a learning curve because we haven't cooked this way. You know, yep. no one has, right? Yeah. So, and, you know, everyone's like, why don't you use DoorDash? We want to order. It. And it's like, well, the fees, you know, they're like, we don't mind paying the fees. But it's like, in reality, you do want, you do care because you're not going to pay 30% markup for something yeah. for delivery. So, so That's our true. goal is in two weeks to, not two weeks, we already deliver now. I'm going to do the first week, but the goal is to hire one of our kitchen staff members back so he yep. can, he or he she can, can deliver. deliver. Yeah, yeah, and we the delivery way. fee would go directly to them, that's and right. you know they're gonna deliver with a mask and with a glove on, no matter what. Yeah. Call you once they drop it. You once you open the door and take it in, he'll wave and then he'll leave. Because yeah. honestly, like no offense, DoorDash and Skip Dishes, but my friends order, they're not wearing gloves, they're not no. wearing masks. I've seen you it. Know what I mean? I've seen it. They're just walking in, no gloves, no mask, yeah. and uh... yeah. So and that's scary to me in the situation I'm in and taking care of my family and. Who, who knows how many other people are like that. So yeah. we're going to make videos and post it all. And when we're cooking as well, we have our mask on and gloves on. So okay. I think it's really important that people see us over social media cooking in the way that we would cook for ourselves, you know, with masks and everything. So, yeah. Yeah. No, that sounds amazing. Subi. Hey, listen, uh, I think we should, probably should wrap up. I don't want to take up too much of your time because I still know you got a lot to do today. Uh, but I wanted to ask you one fun question before we wrapped up here. And the one fun question is, you know, if you had to choose one last meal, uh, what what would you, what would you choose as a, a meal that you must have? Oh man, this is a good one. We always play this game in the kitchen. It's a normal kitchen game. <laughs> yeah. we always, you yeah. should have this we answer. Play the three. 
I know. Oh, it's a tough one. Ah. It's a tough one. I know. Okay, you know what? what would yours you, be? Do you have yeah, one? I was just I was just gonna say, for me, mine would be a combination of uh, sushi and soup. Um, I love soup, so I, I I I can all my friends know that that I love soup. So I'd probably have something like uh, uh, a Manhattan clam chowder with a spicy tuna roll or something like that. Okay, okay, that would be mine. That would be mine. So hopefully that gave you enough uh, time to think of. Uh, it did. I think uh, I go back to my mom. Uh, she, she makes this uh, great dish. It's a uh, lamb palau. So it's uh, oh, lamb and rice cooked together. Oh, it's yeah. almost like a pilaf, but a different, like a Indian version of it. And all the meats and spices are cooked together. And I would ask for it extra spicy. I would ask for Indian tomato chutney and tamarind yeah. chutney on the side. See, that would be go. it. See, you knew exactly what you wanted. Yeah. You just needed a, a bit of time Little, prompting. Yeah. <laughs> so, awesome. So, yeah. Hey, I really appreciate your time, Subi. I know we've been talking about this for a while, and honestly, it was worth the wait uh, getting to talk to you. And I actually learned a lot about you. So I actually oh, thank uh, you. really appreciate this conversation. And I learned, I uh, admired a lot of qualities that you uh, talked about in terms of, and now I know why you're able to uh, run a business and uh, run a restaurant so successful. So, you know, for those of you who are listening who have not yet checked out Piva Modern Italian Restaurant in New Westminster, you definitely need to once we all survive this COVID-19 crisis. Um, you know, it's, uh, it's a, a place that I rave about to all my friends. And uh, sorry, I haven't been able to make it as often as I did before because it's hard to go out with a one-year-old now. So, Oh, I know. I know but all I'll about be back. that. You don't, even, be back. you don't even have to apologize. So don't <laughs> worry about that. <laughs> I, yeah. I've been there, so I understand it. But we'll be and back. Don't worry. Don't worry. Don't mean to scare you, but when they start walking, you'll go out even less. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? With your uh, meal preps and takeout, I'm gonna I'm gonna be all over that. So, uh, so you know, well, thanks thank again, you. Subi. Yeah. Anything thank else you, for you wanted me. to say? Yeah. Uh no, just everyone to stay safe. Uh, obviously, if you want yeah. some good pasta, you know, pivatakeout.ca. Um, I thank you for having me. I've never done one of these. I've always been super shy. To even be, it's pretty in, fun, you know, right? it's it's awesome. I would do it again. You know, I don't know what we talk about, but I think we could talk about anything forever. But yeah, yeah, no, <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a talker, so no, I um, I, I enjoyed this a so. lot, and uh, just you know, the thing I always enjoyed going to your restaurant was I always order pretty much the same thing. So I always go in. I start off with the uh, smoked old fashioned, which is the best in the city. I love that oh, drink. Thank you. And then I always have uh, your Fernono pasta. Always. Oh yeah, that's on the takeout <laughs> menu. Yeah, <laughs> and then your your pizza with the um, uh, figs. Um, oh, the smoked the, duck. Yeah, yeah, smoked duck. Oh, yeah. I love that pizza so much. Oh, so, actually, you I'm probably hungry. miss it right now. <laughs> I'm, I'm hungry yeah. now. <laughs> right, that might buddy. be in one of our kits, so I'll let you know. So. Okay, yeah, definitely, and I want to watch that uh, live cooking show one day. Oh, thank you, thank you for having me. Uh, this was awesome. Yeah. So take care, buddy. Thank you so much. Stay safe. Okay. You too. You too. Bye. I want to thank Subi again for taking the time to do the podcast with me. Uh, It was a lot of fun, and I hope you guys enjoyed it. And uh, I want everyone to remember to stay safe, social distance, and uh, thank you again for listening to another episode of Digging Deeper. If you like this episode and my previous episodes, please feel free to rate me on iTunes or Spotify or whatever platform you use to listen to your podcast. Write a review, share it with your friends. Until next time.